0: The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbreak off.
1: Hello and welcome to Handbreak Off, the Athletic's Arsenal podcast. I'm Ian Stone and this week I'm joined... By Art de Roche, and we rejoice at the return of James McNicholas who's been away being an author amongst other things. Uh, hello chaps.
0: Hello hey,
2: Ian. Ian. Hey, good Ian.
1: morning, good morning and, uh, and uh, it's not that I wasn't rejoicing at you being there as well Art, you understand. <laughs> <But> I <just laughs> yeah I understand. Give James the build-up and congratulations on the publication of your book James.
0: Thanks man, I appreciate the, uh, it. The
1: champ and the chump, is that right?
0: That is correct, yeah. Yes,
1: uh, available in all good bookshops and uh, online as well.
0: Thanks, Ian. I didn't even have to ask you to do that. That's very <laughs> no, funny. I,
1: no, because you were very nice about when I when it happened to me, and so I feel, you know reciprocal compliment but it's an achievement so nice one and I think uh, Arsenal fans I say Arsenal fans should read it I haven't read it myself James I'll be honest
0: <laughs> Not but... just Arsenal fans Ian everyone should read it that's the correct <laughs> thing
1: You know what that is the correct response okay uh, anyway it's out there now and uh, by the way I should also say a reminder before we get into the meat of the pod that you can get yourself an Athletic subscription for a third off the full price by heading to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod that's theathletic.com Com forward slash arsenal pod. Now, before we get into a discussion of whether Lionel Messi can fit into Mikel Arteta's preferred formation, <laughs> this week, uh, I have seen pictures, uh, mocked up pictures of him with an Arsenal shirt, but it looks like he's going to PSG. Uh, this week, Gab Martinelli became a gold medal winner at the Olympics as Brazil beat Spain 2-1. So this begs the question... Which Arsenal players, past or present, would have bossed which Olympic event? Uh, Art, I'll start with you.
2: Okay, I've gone with a current player. I'm not sure how long he's going to be a current player for. <laughs> but uh, it's not an athletic guy. Sayed Kolasinac. And I think he'd be very good at shot put. Um, <laughs> he gives me, me mistrunchable vibes. So <laughs> I think uh, he, he's the selection that I've gone for.
1: Yeah, he gives you Miss Trunchbull vibes. I, you know, it's a lovely Matilda reference, and not everyone will get. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, snatch at the shop put, or any of the strength events. To be honest with you, he could uh, lift weights. I mean, any fighting ones. We know he's good at that.
0: <laughs> James, what about you? Yeah, I was sort of scratching my head, thinking about it. I mean, there's a few options. Art suggestion is very good. I thought back to Oleg Lushny famously nicknamed the horse, could we get away with entering him into some of the equestrian events? Um, I don't know if he was athletic enough to get over some of those fences, but I'd like to see him try. Yes. Um, I remember Arsen Wenger said that Julio Batista had the body of a boxer, so we could throw him in maybe in the uh, amateur boxing competition, so he fed. Volleyball, Kim Chowström, wasn't that famously his undoing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. But I ultimately, I decided it would have to be Thierry Henry and Handball after that incident playing for <laughs> nice. France against Ireland.
1: Nice. I love the amount of thought that's got into these. <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, all we had was Theo Walcott could be a sprinter.
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, Which he could. True.
1: Which he could. Perry Groves, by the way, uh, also uh, could definitely do that. I had uh, Robert Perez uh, doing the dressage. Uh, I didn't have him as the horse, you understand. I had him riding the horse. I just had a feeling that he'd calm the horse down. He'd sort of, he has the, he has the feel of a horse whisperer to me. And I, I know uh, quite a lot of my female friends, and I've got to say one or two of my male friends, get a little bit excited when they're around Robert Perez. But I imagine he just, a few kindly words in their ear. And they just, you know, calmed down a little bit. Um, I
0: thought you were going to go all Danny Mills on us there and enter him into the diving, but fortunately not.
1: Diving. Well, yes, I did think about the diving, and there were a couple of candidates, but um, uh, well, anyway, uh, and I think we enjoyed the Olympics uh, as well. Uh, Well done, everyone, I think, uh, for putting that on in the middle of a pandemic. Spurs won, Arsenal nil. Not a scoreline I ever like to read out loud. But it was only a pre-season friendly. Um, James, these, does pre-season matter, by the way? Because we haven't had a great pre-season. But does it really matter? Because I've seen this be really good in the pre-season. And then the season hasn't been so good. And so I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah, and I remember a couple of pre-seasons under Arsene Wenger where Arsenal's results were pretty dismal in the friendly games. And then they hit the ground running in the league. So I'm not sure how much it does matter. Thank you, by the way, and congratulations to the Arsenal women who did avenge Arsenal men's defeat with a thumping victory over Spurs, at least, even the score there. But I think the fact that we've played these preseason friendlies against Premier League teams, you know, the travel limitations that we've had have meant that playing Chelsea and Spurs in the last fortnight and losing both those games is inevitably a bit dispiriting. I think the results actually probably matter less than the performance. And I think what will be concerning people is that some of the issues we've seen in the performance are quite familiar. Ultimately, they're some of the failings we saw last season. You know, namely, maybe having good control of possession, but struggling to convert that into chances. And I think in the Spurs game, there were long spells, particularly in the first half, where Arsenal did dominate the game. But they didn't really uh, convert those into sort of presentable opportunities. And that has been Arsenal's problem for some time, really, under Mikel Arteta. So, I think if alarm bells are ringing, I think it's derived more from the way we're playing than the results that we're actually getting.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's be fair. We could have said that, what James just said there, we could have said that about Arsenal any time over the last two or three seasons, really. Lots of very neat and tidy possession, passing it across the back four, five, whatever we've got, uh, into midfield, back to the defence, but nothing much further forward.
2: No, and I think it's very familiar when I was, so I, I was the one that did the game yesterday. Yes. And um Arsenal almost, they get to the final third and there's a stage where <laughs> they almost just look up and can't decide what to do. And then that leads to them going all the way back to the centre-backs on the halfway line. And it's just, they need to actually take decisions. I know, um so in my match piece, I wrote about how Lokonga played well. And I think he'll, slide slide into that Thomas Partey role quite well in terms of someone who's actually able to move the ball quite quickly from midfield. But then what happens in front of him is where the issues come. I know Emil Smith-Rowe and Nicolas Pepe have played quite well during pre-season and they combine really well with each other. But then when you look a bit further left, Aubameyang and Lacazette, the the balance just doesn't seem right between them. And that's probably what's worrying me more than than anything like James said more than than the result It's kind of the balance of play really that that is concerning at the minute and how (laughs) how they're gonna fix that in five days before Brentford I'm not sure but it is something that I'd hope is fixed before the end of of the month
1: well is it is it a formation problem uh, James, I mean, is that what it's about? In the end, we're trying to fit square pegs in round holes a little bit. You know, Aubameyang, I know he can play off the left, but he doesn't really play that well off the left. If Lacazette plays in the centre and he drops deep to pick up the ball, who's running in behind him into the centre to get on the end of his crosses? Mm. Um, there are, you know, I can see the thinking, but it doesn't feel joined up in some way. Is that a fair comment?
0: I think it's fair. I mean, when Arsenal have played that system effectively, it has been Aubameyang who has been taking up more central positions. You know, although he's been starting on that left flank, he has kind of made those infield runs. I don't think we saw loads of that yesterday. And I think his form kind of more generally in this pre-season has been a little bit concerning. You know, he's always been a striker who misses the odd chance here and there because he gets so many of them. But it has been startling, really, the way in which he's kind of managed to fail to score in some occasions in these games. I'm hoping that, obviously, once the competitive football kicks off, that will all be assuaged and dealt with. But I'm a little bit concerned after the season he had last year that he doesn't necessarily look much sharper, much fitter, much more like the Aubameyang we thought we'd be getting when we gave him that new contract. In, In terms of the system, I do think that... You know, Bukai Saka came off the bench yesterday as a substitute and received a very generous welcome, it has to be said, from the Tottenham fans. Um, But I think his introduction or reintroduction will make quite a substantial difference. Gabriel Martinelli, as you mentioned as well, has been away at the Olympics. Both those players, I think, provide options in the wide areas that will mean, I think, freeing up Aubameyang to return to his preferred position through the middle. So I'm not overly concerned about him being out on that flank because I think there are other personnel who can come in and do that job. It's more just like Art says, I think the courage on the ball, the ability to take risks, to play forward, to play those incisive passes that turn possession into genuine threat. I think that's where my concern is. And actually... You know, Tom Werver wrote a really good piece on The Athletic this week where he kind of developed a new analytic uh, sort of a term about expected threat. You know, the, the actual how dangerous people's actions are on the game. And and Bukai Saka, for what it's worth, I think came out on top for Arsenal. So I'm hoping that once we get him back in the team, maybe even as soon as next week against Brentford, it will help us to look a little more dangerous than we have done throughout pre-season.
1: Yeah, uh, creativity in in the uh, in the midfield. Um, Art, you mentioned laconga there and the way that he's he was spraying passes out to Kieran Tierney, but do we not want passes through the lines as well? And I don't see enough of that from the two central midfielders.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's where I think Thomas Partey really excelled this preseason. Where I remember at Rangers. Line breaking pass to Emil Smith Rowe, and he receives it on the back foot and breaks into the box. And that's where I think, um, again, I think I mentioned it last week where I thought, um, with how high Arsenal's line was defensively, when Thomas Partey is the one that wins the ball back, he's a- almost always going to Emil Smith Rowe first. Yeah. Um, and that's where I guess you break and <laughs> you have a lot of. Um, a bigger opportunity to actually attack properly. Without him, I think Shaka isn't the person that's going to be playing those passes. Lukonga, so uh, yesterday was uh, was more often fizzing the ball out to Kieran Tierney. Uh But I do think that there were a few times where he did look inside. Uh, there was uh, one one occasion where he played the ball into Lacazette just outside the box, and Lacazette one touch and he curls it. Hits the post. The post. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but those are the sort of instances where I think um, he he does ha- have the ability to do that. Um, it also just becomes a point of where in England, is he going to have as much space as he did in Belgium to to make those passes as often as he did for Anderlecht? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where I guess we'll see him having to develop um, because we, we have to remember he's still only 21, even though he has continued to impress in pre-season. So yeah, from central midfield, I think he's the one that's more likely to break those lines. But yeah, it's something that need, needs to happen a lot more often.
1: It is a concern. I mean, further back, um, Ben White continues to impress, doesn't he, James? He uh, He looks worth the money.
0: He looks a pretty classy operator, yeah. And I think we knew from what we'd seen of him at Brighton that he was going to be... Good on the ball. He's, he's, he's quite quick as well. I think he's a decent recovery defender. Um, if he, he can be a little bit impetuous at times. He reminds me a bit of Lauren Koscielny when he first arrived at the club. Similar sort of age. You know, had the athleticism, had the sort of one-on-one ability, but maybe had a bit to do on the positional side. But there was one moment in yesterday's game where he kind of took the ball off Burn Leno. I think he was inside his own penalty box. Dribbled between a couple of Spurs players. Ended up getting fouled somewhere on the halfway line. And that's something he will bring to this team the ability to help progress the ball from deep we've lost that of course with David Luiz leaving the club and I think we always talk about Luiz's passing actually he carried the ball a lot at his feet as well Yeah Um and I think Ben White replaces that really effectively. So, yeah, I think Lokonga and White were the big positives, actually, from the Spurs game, particularly in the first half when it was kind of... a, uh, Which I think is really the half I think you really should be judging because after that, the substitutions begin to make a, a bit of a mockery of it. But I think they look very good. And for me... You know, they've both got to start the first Premier League game. I think White's an obvious one, given the price tag in the absence of Gabriel. Unfortunately, Pablo Marie didn't look quite so assured next to him. And I think Laconga is just a much more interesting, exciting option at central midfield in the absence of Party than, say, Mohamed Elneny. Um <laughs> Let's uh, say
1: him, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I do just think yes. we might as well lean into the potential of of this young player, I think has shown enough in pre-season to suggest he might be ready. And of course, another player who who won't be around to compete for that midfield place almost certainly is Joe Willock, who pulled out of the game yesterday because Arsenal have agreed a fee with, with Newcastle.
1: Well, let's talk about transfers uh, then at this point. It does look like Joe Willock is going to go um, £22 million, I believe, um, which is... Let's be fair. More money than is being offered for pretty much anyone else we're trying to sell. Our, I wouldn't want to get rid of Joe Willett, particularly, but he's the only person who's attracted any offers, and it's a decent offer, isn't it? Really, I know he scored a lot of goals for Newcastle. He didn't get them for us. Um, is that good business, or is it going to be a bit Emmy Martinez?
2: Uh, it, it hurts. It hurts me, and it, it yeah. pains my heart. It it truly does because. I think when you're looking at Arsenal's midfield, like you just said, Joe Willock offers something that no current Arsenal midfielder offers. And even though he didn't score those goals for Arsenal, I think when um, he was used in his best, in my opinion, best role, so being able to pick up the ball from deep and run forward in the Europa League uh, last season for Arsenal, he was scoring goals for Arsenal. And he he landed in probably the perfect place in Newcastle where they needed someone with his exact skill set and he was able to flourish. I think it is that problem where Arsenal have been very bad at selling players in in recent years. Yes. And if you're looking at the, the current group of players who are open to leaving and he's he's the only one that's got a pretty sizable fee coming in then i understand i understand accepting it um especially with the need for reinforcements in the more advanced midfield role But even though I understand it, it still doesn't take away how much it hurts.
1: (laughs) I mean, James had high hopes for him at the club, didn't they? It was the three brothers. He was the one that everyone talked about. And he did look good playing for Newcastle. But as Art said, he was played in the exact position he likes to play in. And it's not clear that, that Mikel Arteta would do that with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he looks a better fit in some respects for them than for Arsenal. But I think really what this story is about is Arsenal's difficulty that they're having in moving on some of the other players. I mean, if Arsenal were able to cash in and take 20 million quid for Hector Bellerin, Alex Lacazette, Ainsley, Ainsley. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, maybe, Ainsley. maybe even Granit Xhaka prior to the kind of U-turn on him and, and the decision to award him a new contract, then maybe I think keeping Willock becomes an option. But a bit like last summer, a bit like with Emmy Martinez, there just isn't that kind of money on the table for other players. And if Arsenal want to have a decent turnover in players this summer they want to bring more people in and I believe that is something they want to do and need to do really before the transfer window ends this is an opportunity for them to take what they consider a good price for the player I think you know like Art I like Joe Willock as a player and also I can't help but sort of want the academy players to succeed it tugs at the heartstrings slightly but if I'm putting my cold rational brain on I can see why Arsenal have accepted this offer but I do think you know one of the things Willock does bring even if his all-round game I think could be smoother in some respects is he does bring goal threat and we're talking about that as being something lacking in this side so I'd like to think with him going Arsenal Arteta Edu will find some way to replace and replicate that.
1: Yeah, use that money to buy perhaps a creative central midfielder who's got 20 goals a season in him. Oh, that's all right, Something like that. (laughs) Um, Further back down the pitch, I mean, we really need a goalkeeper, don't we? I I, I mean, it's not... Listen, every time Bert Leno bends down and I think, oh, (laughs) if he tweaks his back or something... Then we're left with a with, with two goalkeepers, one one very experienced and one I believe not really up to it. Is that the priority, Art? Getting another goalkeeper, a res- uh, someone to challenge uh, Burnt Leno for the first team slot.
2: Personally, for me, that would be priority number two. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very after, big on after the uh, creative midfielder because for me that that is the bigger issue in yeah. the long term. I think that. And yeah, everyone knows how much of an Emile Smith-Rowe fan I am, but I think that he needs creative support on the pitch as well as someone who can take his place at times. And I think that that is where the real issue is. I understand when um, Bert Leonard went down (laughs) yesterday after saving that son shot, everyone was just like, this can't happen again. But um, (laughs) I'm just... I don't know, I just... I can't fully commit to that being number one priority. It has to be the creative midfielder, but I do—I would concede that it is at least the number two priority because <laughs> you can't—you can't have a, a meltdown every time Bert Leno. I don't know, no. just no. Be, like puts both hands on his knees. You can't—you can't have a meltdown every time he does that. So it, it is definitely an area that needs to be sorted.
1: James, uh, how do you see the priorities? Would you go, if you got a chance of one, would you get creative central midfielder or goalkeeper at this point? Or indeed another or indeed another position, possibly a forward?
0: Is a number two, my number two priority or my number one priority, <laughs> basically? I think,
1: You're muddying uh, the waters here somewhat, <laughs> but yeah. Um,
0: well, Arsenal themselves were sort of, quite clear it was something that needed to be addressed quite urgently. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think it is going to be addressed in time for the first Premier League game now. I think that, you know, their continued interest in Aaron Ramsdale still has a little bit of way to run in it. Uh, I think they will do something if they can't get him before the deadline with somebody else, but I think they are sort of prepared to, you know, use these last couple of weeks to try and get that deal done. I think we we do definitely need it. I mean, there's just not the backup available and increasingly you look at Matt Ryan and you think he was going on a free transfer. Maybe he wanted more assurances about first team football. I know he's gone back to Spain, but he's an Arsenal fan. You have to think that that might have been a deal that uh, could have been done potentially for a, a, you know a competent backup goalkeeper at a low price. So yeah, I think it is something that needs to be dealt with and soon. I mean, you know, when Bern Leno got injured at Brighton, what was it, a couple of years ago, we were all in despair. and fortunately, Emi Martinez kind of went through this sort of superhero-like transformation. I'm not sure I see either Conquo or and necessarily going on that same trajectory right now. Um, so we need someone who's, a bit, I think, more experienced uh, and more reliable on the bench as soon as possible. But I'm um, with Art. I still think the top end of the pitch does need to be looked at and... You know, I think keeping Granite Shaka in a way, although it's sort of disappointing, I think, for a lot of fans who are definitely ready to move on, I think it, you know, in Shaka and Party, that is a kind of competent midfield duo. And I think for the next season at least we can make that work. I think White has strengthened the back line and and replaced Louise. You know, at fullback, we've got options, even if at right back maybe they're not all the options that we'd necessarily desire. I do just think, especially with Willock going out the club, in that attacking midfield area, we are a little bit light and there's a huge burden on Smith-Rowe, a player who's had physical problems in the past, who's very young, whose form will inevitably fluctuate. I think we need to, if we're really serious about supporting him, we need to support him by giving him another player who can do that kind of job. Um, So that's, you know, I'm not going to pick one or the other. I think Arsenal needs to do both, definitely, in what remains of the window.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, up next, uh, we're going to be talking about the new season, the uh, season opener, Brentford v. Arsenal, 8 o'clock on Friday evening. This is Ian Stone here with James McNicholas and Art De Roche on the Handbreak of Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic.
2: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before?
1: Ian Stone here with James McNicholas and Art De Roche on hand. Break off. We're going to look ahead to the new season. Uh, Brentford v Arsenal. A-, a new ground, James, and uh, well, I mean, not just a new ground for all the f- a new ground for everyone. It's their their first season and their um, first season when fans are allowed in. Uh, are you going yeah. down there on Friday?
0: I actually won't be, no. I, I can't I can't remember who's going for the Athletic. It might be me. It's, it's me. It's, it's me. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> <Half-wise, laughs> <they quite. laughs> ah, lovely. Well, no, I'll be watching it from home, certainly. And, uh, I mean, it's always exciting to be the curtain raisers on the season, even if the Friday night does feel a bit odd. And, it, you know, it, it will help the feeling of novelty that, as you say, we're playing a team we haven't faced in the league before and uh, add a, a new ground too. Even if the team probably looks more similar to last season than we might like.
1: <laughs> yes, quite. I like the look of Brentford, actually. I enjoyed watching them. I saw them uh, a couple of times last season and in the playoffs. Ivan Toney, uh, he's going to give us some problems. Do you think I mean, it would be interesting to see Ben White up against him? We would have played against him, of course, uh, in the championship a couple of times uh, for mm. Leeds. Uh, are you feeling optimistic in terms of the game, Art?
2: Oh, the, optimism is a big word. I'm, I'm not well, sure I'll go over it yet.
1: It's the start of the season. I think, I think a little optimism is not a bad okay, thing I'll, right I'll, now.
2: I'll, I'll have a little optimism. You, yeah, I'll have a little bit of it. But I am, I am wary of Brentford because I think of the promoted teams, they're probably, the as you say, the most exciting to watch over last season anyway.
1: A lot of pace um, in that team, it seems to me. They move the ball quickly.
2: Yeah and I think they could cause Arsenal and a lot of other teams problems this year but as you say it is a team coming up from from the championships Arsenal should be able to to to, to get the job done the one thing that's quite I guess romantic about it is their their last uh, league game uh, in in the top flight was against Arsenal in, in 1947 yeah. I believe so that's quite quite a cool turn of events but yeah I think Going into the game, I I'll be a little bit optimistic, but, but um, I, I'm still I'm I'm just waiting to be true. I'm waiting to truly trust this Arsenal side before I go with full optimism.
1: James, he doesn't sound too convinced, does he? I mean, I suppose <laughs> it depends. It depends on the starting uh, lineup. What is your st- preferred starting lineup, James? I mean, I've got one written down here. In fact, I'll tell you what. Why don't I tell you what mine is, and then you you guys tell me if you disagree with any then. of these. I'm saying I'm saying we're going to play four-two-three-one because that seems to be how uh, Mikel Arteta likes to play. I'm saying Burn Leno in goal, Tierney, Chambers, White, and Holding if he's available. I don't know. Uh, Party and Xhaka, uh, Emil Smith Rowe, Saka, Pepe, and Aubameyang.
0: James. Well, I wish we could pick Thomas Partey, but I don't think we're going to be no. able to. No. So I I would swap the Conger in. Other than that, I think that would be my team. Actually, I I, I wasn't overly impressed with Pablo Maria at, at White Hart Lane and uh, Rob Holding. If he's fit, I probably would select next to White. Not sure quite which way round I'd do it. The other one that I would that I would sort of call into question maybe is the centre forward. I just think. It's a toss-up really at the moment between Aubameyang and Lacazette. I don't think, I think Aubameyang is the superior striker, but I don't think he's looked it in pre-season. But other than that, I largely agree. What do you think, Art? I think the one thing that's just
2: thrown me is Mikel has been so wedded to that left-footed centre-back. So I yeah, feel yeah. that even though Pablo Mari didn't play well at Tottenham, I feel that he will still start next to Ben White.
0: I think you probably will too, but I'm not, it's just not necessarily what I would do. True, true, and it's true.
1: also and it's also the fact I, I do see having having centre backs who you know one left footed, one right footed, that isn't a bad thing. You know, it's the way they turn. It's it's if they don't occupy each other's spaces as much. I, I, do you not think that that actually works quite well?
2: I think so. I think yeah. It's just because Arteta's done that. Well, I mean. I think was Pablo Mari's first signing in January 2020, and then he doubled down with Gabriel. So that's why I had that thought. And that's why it's quite hard for me to pick two right footed centre backs when thinking about an Arsenal team now. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Rob Holden next to Ben White. I'm just, I'm, I'm unsure whether it is realistic in terms of actually happening. And then the other thing I was a little bit unsure about was. Whether Bukayo Saka would start, but that's just because I'm a bit scared <laughs> that he's playing too much football. Um, not not because he's not good enough. Everyone knows he's good enough. It's just me being just me being a bit um, yeah scared.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. And no one, by the way, neither of you questioned uh, Callum Chambers as the right back. No, um, no. he's <laughs> first choice now, James. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think he is. I I, yeah. I don't question it at all, actually. And I think his form in the second half of last season, made the acquisition of a new right-back slightly less urgent. I think that Arteta's quite, you know, in some ways he's lucky. He's got lots of different options in that position with different qualities. But I think Chambers is the one who has shone most, really, since he came back into the team. And I know Art (laughs) is a massive fan. So I'm going to let him have a little say on on Cal Chambers too.
1: Well, Art, I mean, I I remember watching that West Ham away game, absolutely awful, a performance going three nil down, and then Callum Chambers was drilling in these unbelievable crosses. If his deliveries like that, I'd have him in over um, over the other the others uh, straight away.
2: Definitely, I think um, that his crossing technique is probably the best of the the right backs. Anyway, I yes. I, I was about to say backs, but I remember no. the Kieran Tierney's still here. No. So, <laughs> but um, in terms of actually someone being able to whip the ball into the box. Um and not take those extra seconds to decide what to do because a lot of his crosses are first time, first touch, he's getting the ball into the box. Um, that's what excites me about him playing right back, as well as him being able to um push into a bit more central areas to to play that role as Mikel Arteta has wanted his right backs to over the past 18 months or so. So I think of of the three. Uh, or maybe four, if we include Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think at the moment he is the the best option to to fulfil all the demands that Mikel Arteta wants. Obviously, people are going to point to him not being the fastest, but I still think that he carries a bigger threat than say Cedric or Hector Bellerin when when he is going forward. And, and he and he offers height.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, I think, I think that's true. Um, some of the positives we can look forward to. Um, James, you contribute, contributed to a piece uh, for The Athletic about breakthrough players, and you talked about following Balogun. Now, he's been talked about in the club for quite a few years. He had a couple of appearances, scored about 10 minutes after starting in a Europa League game last season. Maybe he could solve the striker problem in the long term?
0: maybe yeah I mean it'll be interesting to see how much we see of him this season everything we hear suggests he's going to be part of the first team squad he's not going out on loan obviously we don't have European football to offer to him so I think in the first instance it's going to be the domestic cups that provide him with that opportunity we actually enter the Carabao Cup a round earlier than we have for quite a long time so (laughs) we can get his yeah I know we've got an extra round for him to play in there but I, I do think he is an incredibly exciting prospect and You know, it's easy to be downbeat about Arsenal, but one thing they have done well in the past year or two is tie down some really exciting young players to long-term contracts. You yes. think of Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, Kieran Tierney would be another. Um, Balligan, Emil, Smith-Rowe. Emil Smith-Rowe very recently and Balogun was a really crucial one and one that for a long time looked like it might go in another direction. Um You'd think that those conversations around his new deal would have included some sort of assurances about his involvement in the first team. He's got a few minutes in pre-season uh, scored at least one goal I remember taking very nicely at London Colney. So, I'm optimistic we'll see some of him. He's got two very experienced strikers ahead of him in Lacazette and Aubameyang, but there's a bit of a gap after that, you know, the likes of Martinelli, Balogun. There's almost a decade really between those two sets of strikers and I think that's why Arsenal are talking about potentially bringing someone in to bridge that gap, someone in the kind of mid-twenties area. But if they can't get that player, then Balogun's going to get chances and I'm looking forward to seeing him. Another young player who I could have mentioned in that piece, and I almost did, was Miguel Aziz, who from the clips I've seen of him in pre-season looks to have really physically developed in the last few months. He looks a more strong, more powerful player to complement his fantastic technique. And he plays with great imagination, great flair. I I wonder if we might see him begin to impact on the first team, maybe in those cup competitions again. He's another one to really keep an eye out for this season.
1: And um, before the season starts, what's the best we can hope for? Uh, Art, I'll start with you uh, on this. I, I, I mean, I know you're not wholly <laughs> optimistic, but when I look certainly at some of the players near the top end of our, of our team, uh, particularly Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka, and as James mentioned there, Martinelli as well, and Kieran Tierney further back, we've got some seriously good young talent.
2: Yeah, there's definitely talent there. I think when you look back at last season, I think we ended up finishing uh, four points off the top four. Yeah. And when you consider the way we uh, lost matches or drew matches, there's definitely ways they could have <laughs> made up for those points. Going into this season, I would say my my realistic expectation is uh, fifth or sixth, so Europa League, and yes. then my wholly optimistic prediction is they may sneak into the champions league somehow um but the, the highest i'd go is fourth place and that's just by sneaking in but my realistic expectation is either
0: fifth or sixth
1: uh yeah i'm basically i feel exactly the same way how about you james
0: well, I think obviously when Arsenal finished outside the European places, there was some talk of look at the precedent that has been for other clubs, kind of catapulting from eighth into the top four, you know, off, uh, by virtue of not having fixture congestion and things like that. And there was some optimism Arsenal might be able to do that. I think that's going to be extremely difficult. You look at you look at some of the big teams in this league. I mean, Manchester City are always going to be strong. They've added Jack Grealish. They may add Harry Kane. I think regardless, they're obviously going to be right up there. Uh, Manchester United have had an excellent transfer window in my eyes. I think they've made some impressive acquisitions. You know, Jadon Sancho, Raphael Varane. Um, They've got a lot of firepower up front too. Chelsea, looks like Romelu Lukaku is going to be going back to West London to add to a team who won the Champions League. And this is without mentioning Liverpool with Virgil van Dijk back playing football for them now too. I think the top four is going to be extremely difficult for Arsenal this season. I think I think top six kind of is more realistic, but I also think it kind of has to be the minimum. I think anything less than a top six finish. And I think Mikel Arteta is going to find himself under a lot of pressure from the supporters. So, yeah, I think top six is where Arsenal need to be and i think that might be about as good as it can be i'd like to i'd like to say that they can mount a challenge for top 4 and maybe the kind of lighter fixture list will make that feasible i'm just looking at the other competitors and thinking mm, they, they they look strong what do you think Ian?
1: yeah i feel pretty much the same as you guys i cannot see us getting above I, I can't see it, uh, the Champions League being a, r- a realistic option. I can't believe that Liverpool will be quite as bad as they were uh, mm. last season. It was a terrible title defence and I agree with you. I think the other three look incredibly strong. Man City, Chelsea and Manchester United. And then it's basically getting above Leicester and Spurs. And then if we do that, we'll we'll finish fifth. But that isn't a given at all. But again... I haven't even mentioned Pepe, by the way. The couple of times he brought the ball down yesterday and took people oh, on, man. and he and he, I, I know he gets slagged off and the seventy-two million pound price tag, but he really excites me as a footballer. And if he starts playing and Martinelli comes back and really starts to fulfil his potential, we could be fun to watch. And and I think that's what I want this season. I want us to be fun to watch and and have a run in a, in one or both of the cups, and um, six. As a minimum. And I agree with you about the fact that if we don't finish in the top six, Mikel Arteta is in trouble. But you know what? It's Arsenal. And that's the least we should expect. (laughs) It is. It really is. One other thing, by the way Bukayo Saka came back to training, was greeted by just a wall of notes. As you mentioned, James, he got uh, clapped onto the pitch by some uh, Tottenham fans. Not all of them, I noted. Mm, but yeah. there were always, there's always going to be a couple going. I'm not. He's an arse. I'm not having it. I don't care what he did for the team in the for England for the entire country and for race relations. I'm not having it. But I thought he was um, seeing that wall of uh, of greetings back at the training ground was uh, was a beautiful thing. And he's our shining star, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I wonder if Spurs fans would have given him that welcome in a competitive game. Somehow, I suspect, probably not. <laughs> but uh, no. it, it was a nice moment, nonetheless, and I, I think he might get that reception a couple of other grounds this season. I I, I share some of Art's concerns just about the sheer weight of expectation on him, and I know I haven't helped that in this podcast by talking him up. But He's uh, 19. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's but- not
1: even 20 years old, and he's carried the team last year, and then played a big part in England's Euros and Mm. now he's back and we're going take the load again please
0: I think in a way I think having been part of that Euros experience and kind of feeling almost the weight of the nation on his shoulders at points I I do wonder if coming back to Arsenal a club he's been at since he was a little boy basically and which he regards as his home You know, might feel comparatively uh, light, might feel comparatively easy and whether he'll relish the opportunity to kind of be with his people again. Um, I hope so, because if Arsenal are going to achieve what we want them to this season, he's going to play a massive part in that. And I think, you know, hopefully he's put the disappointment of that penalty in the final behind him and reflecting on... And he's now reflecting on what was an outstanding summer for him. I mean, he he was not even a certainty to make the squad and ended up starting the final. I think he really grew uh, in stature over the course of that tournament. And if he brings that to the Premier League, then we're in for a real treat this season.
1: Anything to add to that?
0: Obviously, he's like one of my favourite players in the
2: Arsenal squad right now. But also, seeing his rise over the past few years, it's almost been... Not expected, expected is the wrong word, but nothing has seemed to phase him. And I, I, I don't even think that he's thought of the penalty. I don't think he's thought of it for weeks. That's the type of person I think he is where, not that he's trying to just block it out, but now that the new season is here, I don't think that would have any effect on how he plays for Arsenal or his confidence going into the new New Year. One thing that was quite nice to see in in that video where he was looking at the the um the cards on the wall was when he picked up the teddy bear and he was like, "Oh, I am gonna take this home with me." And he, it's just so crazy that he's still only nineteen years old. It it's so hard to wrap your head around considering how long he's been around the first team. But yeah, I just hope that he is managed like in terms of physically. I hope he's managed very well this year because I, I'm just, yeah, I'm scared that there, there's too much expectation on him. Oh, well. He's still just a boy. <laughs> so he He's bought so. it on
1: himself, hasn't he, really? But uh, yeah, I don't want to see him turning out too often in the Carabao Cup, not in the early <laughs> range, Anyway, uh, Let's have a song uh, to end. Crowds are back in at the moment, by the way. And, and uh, so I chose a jam song called In The Crowd and uh, because i just cannot wait to be uh, in a football stadium surrounded by people i mean i genuinely can't so i'm having that uh, james what are you having
0: well i was thinking of joe willock today and you know it looks like he might be leaving the club uh, there's a song by quincy jones called cool joe mean joe killer joe, mean joe, mean joe, mean joe. and i suspect that's what he'll turn into every time we play Newcastle for the next decade or so um so I'm gonna go with that
1: that's such a football fan thing to think by the way uh
2: what about you Art what are you having we've got three weeks left of the transfer window personally I can't wait till it's over because that's when Twitter will be a nicer place to be <laughs> Do you
0: think? Nice but mate? um well, Maybe I mean not hopefully if it doesn't go well <laughs> yeah ho-
2: hopefully it'll be a nicer place to be but uh, with that in mind, and the fact that Arsenal still have areas to address, I'm going with piggy bank by Fifty Cent because Arsenal need to use it. Nice.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That's it. We're done. Thank you, James. Thank you, Art. Thank you to Abby, our producer as well. This has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. I'm Ian Stone. Uh, enjoy Friday.